Welcome back to the Conservatarian Exchange on the Liberty Block, hosted today by both Eds and Gina. Mike is not with us for the day, and we are hoping to have our fearless leader, Alu, on to give us an update on the New Hampshire primaries, which some very interesting things went on, some of which will possibly have national ramifications as well. And besides that, we have lots and lots of stuff that we want to talk about. So good afternoon, everybody. Hey, guys, how are you? Hey, everybody. Um, I guess it's not the most pressing topic, but it's quite interesting. We had a discussion on, I think, Signal about Never Forget and 9-11. And it's so interesting to me how everybody interpreted Never Forget differently. So Hillary and Biden interpreted as Never Forget that Trump people are horrible people and we have to lock them down, et cetera. And everybody had a different version of what it is we're not, not supposed to forget. So I kind of wanted to hear opinions on what it is we're not supposed to forget from 9-11. Jeannie, got an opinion? No, not really. I mean, no, not really. Um, because, no, I, not really. Because it just, it infuriated me hearing um, these not never forget speeches. And then all of a sudden, you know, they were comparing it to January 6th. And um, when I heard that, I was just, I wanted to vomit. I just can't believe that they took the heartbreak and the utter disaster and chaos and compared that to what we have going now. They've obviously 100% forgot what actually happened on 9-11 and to see them use it to fit their narrative is just disgusting. No, especially up here in New York, I don't know about the other places, you still see a lot of never forget bumper stickers, t-shirts, fire departments, put it on their fire trucks, et cetera. And maybe never forget to them means, you know, never forget our comrades who died and first responders. But it's just kind of interesting how everybody is able to use it for their own, you know, political end. So, Ed, right. what's your take? Well, I have a couple of thoughts on it. I mean, first off, I, I remember as when I was in grade school in the, in the 1970s and then high school, you know, middle school and high school in the, in the early 80s we still remembered Pearl Harbor Day every December 7th. And sometime around the late 80s, early 90s, nobody celebrates it or remembers it anymore. And we totally have forgotten that day in our history. And, and I've even talked to a few people and, you know, that, you know, I asked, you know, you know, you know, do you remember when it is? And, oh, you know, it's December 10th, it's December 9th, it's December 6th. They don't even remember the date. And we're only, you know, that was, it took about 45 to 50 years for us to forget Pearl Harbor Day. And it seems like it's about 20 to 20, you know, 22 years or 21 years now. A generation. 9-11. Um, to me, you know, what are we never supposed to forget? I mean, first and foremost, we're never supposed to forget the people who died. You know, they're supposed to be forever enshrined in our memory. Uh, not because it's a good thing and not because we want to worship death, but um, they, they, were, they were killed for, for us. They were symbols for what America stands for. And that's the other thing that I think we should never forget, which is why were we attacked? We were attacked because we don't submit to Allah. We don't, we're not willing to say there is only one God and, and it is Allah, or however the Muslims say it. Um, <clears throat> We were attacked for our freedoms, for our libertine traditions, for our 
you know, for our women having the freedom to walk around in public alone, for our men being able to say things and, you know, write things such as the satanic verses, which we didn't talk about, I guess, last week when, when Rushdie was, was uh, stabbed and almost killed. Um, we, were, we were attacked for our freedoms. And we forgot about that almost immediately because we started off building, we started off almost immediately building this security surveillance state that was ostensibly to protect us from the terrorists. But I mean, Department of Homeland Security and the Patriot Act have been aimed at American citizens really from the very beginning. And, you know, today we're, we're seeing the fruits of that with all the surveillance of the Trump supporters, with, uh, you know, the incarceration of the Trump supporters from January 6th, uh, the raids that are going on. Um, we've forgotten what, you know, Trump said, make America great again. And I, I think we need to just make America, America again. We need, well, to, make, we, we need to make civil liberties the, the most, one of the most important values that we have. And we, we you know, COVID has, has seen the total erosion of our civil liberties. What were you going to say, Gina? I was just going to say, I think we've also forgotten how that whole thing took place with the Afghans coming into the United States through our system. And you yeah. know, they are coming in, the terrorists are coming in over our border. We have forgotten how right. easily accessible it is for them to get here. We haven't screened the people that have come in. You know, we haven't vetted anybody. Like, those are the things that we had to never forget. And whether it is done intentionally or, you know, it's just been put in the back burner, people are forgetting that these people, these terrorists were down in Sarasota, Florida, Venice, sorry, Venice, Florida, Sarasota area down at this little airport, you know, training to fly into the building. And now we've got these people coming in and everybody's like, oh, well, they're just coming in for a better opportunity. No. Did you not see what happened? Like, what is wrong with y'all, man? Like our watch, we are now no longer the watchtower. We have fallen asleep. And it's because that whole generation has lapsed. And I don't know if people stopped talking about it with their children or what happened, but it is, it's been a generation and it's just, it's sad. Well, as George Bush reminded us so many times, it was a religion of peace. And that kind of quashed the message of being wary of the Islamic Jihad threat. Um, for one thing. I, I happen to remember Pearl Harbor every year. To me, it's a very, very big deal. And the, mem the message of Pearl Harbor to me is eternal vigilance. And even though you guys know I'm a libertarian pushing towards anarchist, I do believe in peace through strength. And I believe America needs to be so strong that we never, ever, ever have to fire a bullet at anybody. Because without that, it's, you know, what did well, Rick I mean, say? It, the world is governed by what was his expression? The aggressive use of something. I don't know who's quoting you. Rush Limbaugh, the great. Yeah, Rush the aggressive Limbaugh. use of force, right? right? Right. So if you're not strong, someone will be there. Yeah, but I mean, look how look how quickly you know when we left everything in Afghanistan. Those are the same people, the same mm -hmm. people, the same that, people from a peaceful religion. Right. Those are the same people because we have forgotten you know, the almost 3,000 people that were slaughtered. Mm-hmm, 100%. Ed Pal, any quick thoughts here? Um, you know, yeah, Pearl Harbor Day and 9-11 and, uh, and, 
um, some of the other horrible days in American history. Uh, Gettysburg was a horrible day and Antietam and whatnot are, are remembered, but I personally prefer to remember the, the good days. And we haven't had very many of those lately, um, but uh, I, I, think, I think there's a sort of a fetishizing of 9-11 um, by um, by the establishment um, because 9-11 was the rationale for their creating a police state. And, um, and I think a lot of the, you know, remember 9-11 um, movement is not so much to under to to memorialize the victims or to um or to blame the perpetrators which include obviously saudi arabia uh, from the 28 pages but um to continue to justify the totalitarian measures of surveillance and um and a, a completely out of control fbi who who does nothing but entrap people into break and trap idiots into breaking the law, um, arresting them, uh, and uh, then counting coup that they've uh, foiled uh, yet another terrorist uh, attack while, you know, handing over Afghanistan back to the terrorists. Mm -hmm. So I, 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 I personally, um, you know, obviously I feel bad. It was a very bad day for me uh, personally in the sense that, you know, um, I was out of town, I was supposed to fly, Sharon was here all by herself, um, and we're only like 15 miles from the Pentagon, so um, I had to drive, you know, drive back up really very, very, very quickly. Uh, and I, I won't ever forget that day, obviously, but I do think this official, uh, you know, establishment memorialization of 9-11 is underhanded and, um, and not intended at all um, to honor the victims or to blame the perpetrators, but to enable the fascistic police state that our establishment wants to um, uh, create or has created really wants to continue. I have a question. Um, do you think that the police state that was created after 9-11 from the very first day was for nefarious reasons or do you think it started out okay and was adulterated? I think it was entirely uh, um, for nefarious reasons. I, the, the interesting thing about the Patriot Act, which was like 2,000 2, pages of crazy um, surveillance and, and police state tactics, was introduced and my memory is gonna be faulty, but it's like within one or two weeks of 9-11 and passed, something like that. I could look it up, but I won't. Um, well, you don't write 2000 pages of uh, dense legalese um, text in two weeks. That's just not done. That was in a drawer somewhere and they were simply waiting for the next attack. I'm not one of those people who believes that the government was responsible for the attack. I know there's a lot of people who point to the fact that they that they created this 2000 page monstrosity uh, immediately after the attack and said, see, they must have known uh, that the attack was coming. 
um, and so they must be behind it. I'm, I'm not one of those. Uh, I don't. I don't think that's. I don't think that's necessarily true. I, I, I think that they knew something was going to come at some point, which because we were, were always getting terrorist attacks. And they had this in a drawer. And the moment that uh, um, the attack occurred, they threw it at Congress and Congress, uh, you know, passed it. So I, I'm, I, uh, I, I think, it, I think there, I think it was only a few days after the terrorist attack that President Bush went to a mosque and, and talked about the religion of peace. Um, you know, I'm sure there are very, I'm sure there are plenty of peaceful Muslims out there in the United States you know, has a lot of Muslim people and all they want to do, and I, my neighbors, some of my neighbors are Muslim. All they want to do is live their lives and be left alone. And I sort of respect them for that. But um, yeah, it's not a religion of peace, obviously. It's a religion of war and conquest. And it has been ever since, uh, ever since uh, Muhammad, uh, if, if there was a Muhammad, came out of Medina and attacked uh, and conquered Mecca. So um, it's interesting if you're saying, you know, the establishment plays it up for the purpose of kind of excusing or bolstering the police state. But on the other hand, we find that kids in college are absolutely ignorant. Yeah, there was a video. There was a video I saw on Twitter the other day and they're like, you know, well, it's history to them. I mean, it's like Pearl Harbor Day. But it's not being pushed like Pearl Harbor was for 20 years. And I'm curious, Ed, I think Ed and Gina, you have kids in school, right? Yeah. Do they learn about it in school? What are you getting? I know my daughter does. Um, She's a fifth grader this year. And I can tell you last year, her individual teacher, um, I can't remember what book they read as a class. Um, She read it to a mode. It was all about 9-11. And my daughter has refused to get on an airplane ever since. She's very well aware, very well aware of 9-11. What What did they say about it? What happened? Who did it? And why? Was it oh, she knows. happened? No, 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 no. She knows that it was terrorist. She knows that 100%. What now, I can't terrorist? tell you what they did as far as the curriculum in the, in the school, but I do know because I substituted in that teacher's class and I actually read from that same book. I don't remember what it was called, but they did discuss it as a class. And I think part of that's up to the teacher. Adam, what about your son? I don't think he dealt with it in school. I mean, I, yeah. I didn't really ask him too, too heavily about it, but he didn't, I, we talked about it briefly and he didn't mention anything from school. And one of his classes this semester is civics. So I would have thought that it would have been part of that class, but uh, certainly not anything worth talking about. Yeah. Wow. I, I am, uh, you know, obviously I, I remember when I was in school and we took uh, American history, um, we we barely got up to the Vietnam War. You know, I mean, the Second World War was pretty much the end of, because uh, everybody's behind and it's senior year and it's just, you know, and we never got, we never got up to like the 60s radicals or the riots or the, you know, even the Civil Rights Act or the things that people are proud of uh, in the 60s because there just wasn't any time. And so I, I don't know what they do nowadays. You know, uh, you know what I do have to say, and I forgot. So I substituted yesterday for a second grade class and they did, sorry, Ed, I didn't mean to cut you off, but they do. They had something, because um, there was worksheets that they did regarding 9-11. Cause I remember looking them up, looking for something. So the second grade classes were doing um, 
and it might have been more of like a coloring sheet of what the Twin Towers used to look like or something, but it is being discussed. I, I, you know, it is funny because, uh, you know, why, why do you talk about history at all, right? I mean, that's the thing. It's like, there's a certain, you know, there's a certain, um, since I'm a history buff, there, there's a certain pointlessness to memorizing dates and, and, and activities, you know, December 7th, 1941, uh, Pearl Harbor, right? I mean, we all know that. 1066, you know, the uh, invasion of William the Conqueror. Um, I mean, the point of learning history is to understand the present, you know, to understand how we got to where we are, to understand sort of broad principles of, of human life and human um, existence and, you know, uh, see what, how, how ideas have played out, you know, what ideas have led to certain things and what other ideas have led to certain other things. And to the extent that history is taught at all, uh, it's not being taught like that. I mean, outside of a few homeschools, I mean, why are we raising a generation of communists? <laughs> you know, I mean, uh, 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 the, the number of, of young people who are in favor of, of socialism uh, these days is like oh, well over 50%. So, I mean, clearly history isn't being taught in the way it ought to be taught. Um, Steve, I, you asked you asked if I if we thought it was if the Patriot Act was nefarious from the start or if it just went off the rails. And I think it was nefarious from the start, but most of us, including me, didn't realize it. I re I remember I remember the objections in two thousand one when it happened when it was passed, and I remember poo pooing them, thinking, "Ah, oh, well, you know, it'll just be." We'll just use it to go after the terrorists. No one really is going to go after American citizens. But I think they were going after American citizens from the get go. And yeah, I mean, the you know, when we, you know, back in 2001, after this happened, we sort of um, we understood that there was this, quote unquote, wall between the intelligence community and the law enforcement community, such that if the intelligence community found out something through um, intelligence gathering, um, that should have been put towards the law enforcement community, there was a, a difficult, if not impossible process to get that over there. And, um, and I think we all thought at the time that um, this, this wall was one of the reasons why uh, the attack wasn't found, it wasn't, wasn't discovered, even though all the pieces were there to figure it out. Um, uh, in, in looking back on it now from 21 years later, I, I don't think that that was as big a deal as people were making it out to be. And the breakdown of that wall has led to the most egregious abuses of individual rights in the United States uh, that I could have possibly imagined in, in 2021. And, you know, the, there are a lot of things that the media are completely uninterested in. The, the incuriosity of the media is one of the uh, most amusing things about our, our current situation. Um, and the Snowden leaks are the, are the things that, I mean, they made the news for a few weeks and then gone. It's like, it's like they never happened. All of the abuses, all of the uh, violations of the Fourth and Fifth Amendments, um, all of the violations of our, our individual rights against search and seizure, um, all of that 
uh, that was shown in the stone leaks, no one has any curiosity about in the media. The, um, the, you know, I don't think there's anything, I don't think there's anybody who's quote unquote a journalist as opposed to someone else. Hell, I'm a journalist, right? Because we have a podcast. But um, the targeting by the FBI of certain journalists like Cheryl Atkinson or, um, you know, uh, Jim Rosen, um, where they go in and they, uh, for you know, Cheryl Atkinson's, they, they cloned her hard drive. Um, the, all of the, uh, and uh, Rosen, they, they uh, tried to uh, charge him or think of charging him of, of receiving stolen property or something like that when someone leaked something unapproved. I mean, you know, the leaks in Washington look like Niagara Falls, but those are all the approved leaks. Uh, it's the unapproved leaks, like the Snowden leaks or whatever, that, that don't get approved. And the attacks on journalists and the incuriosity about the data collection that Snowden revealed has led directly to today where the FBI has gone completely off the rails and uh, are arresting or subpoenaing people uh, for, for no good reason other than they're supporters of, of uh, President Trump. And um, it, it just, it scares the bejesus out of me that the FBI is, is getting away with this. I mean, they arrested or they subpoenaed uh, the My Pillow guy. He was like Lindell. They got him at Hardy's, Ed. He was yeah. getting him some fries and a Coke. And next thing yeah. you know, he's I mean, how many people haven't gone to Hardy's I, in their life and, be, you know, attacked the F by I, the FBI? It's crazy. I haven't gone to Hardy's. I mean, I mean I it really is the perfect subway to the next subject because they got before, the hell. Before you get to the next subject, though, Steve, I want to just add something. I, I think it goes back to what Ed said early on that Bush refused to identify the enemy. And that to me, that's the real tell on what the Patriot Act was aimed at. If we were aim if we were going to go after the real enemy, we would have named the real enemy. We would have the Patriot Act would have been aimed at jihad. It would have been aimed at Saudi Arabia, Muslim terrorists. Uh, but the Patriot Act wasn't aimed at it, and our military response wasn't aimed at them. Yeah, and there was a lot of complaining that we're sending FBI into into mosques, et cetera, et cetera. It's also interesting this the whole war on terror rather than war on jihad. I mean, that war on terror from the very beginning is yeah. a ridiculous word. Um, the other thing, again, uh, the corruption of the FBI, you guys remember, I think we talked about this in the chat. You guys remember the um, Draw Mohammed contest in Garland, Texas, where uh, our, um, you know, uh, Ed and my uh, acquaintance, a friend, Bosch Faustin, uh, won, and a guy came to try to murder people there. And luckily he was taken out by a security guard before he could hurt anybody. But behind the terrorist, the guy who wanted to murder, you know, our friend was a car with FBI agents just sort of following him and, and seeing what he was doing. I mean, that should have been the end for the FBI. The whole organization should have been um, abolished after that. Uh, it, it, I think the FBI facilitates terrorism in the United States. And uh, as such, um, the FBI should be, I mean, they facilitated the Whitmer kidnapping, they facilitate all these other uh, terrorist attacks. Um, and, uh, you know, one of these days, 
like in Garland, the FBI is going to screw up. They're going to facilitate some terrorist attack and then not, you know, through some incompetence, not get the guy before, you know, or organization like before they Vegas? murder people. Well, again, that's the incuriosity of the press, right? No one is like, what went on in Las Vegas? No one cares. No one cares. <laughs> no, no. Yeah, guy shot a bunch of people. I mean, I think I'm the first person to mention it in five years. Now that, yeah. Now that I think no, I mention it, it all the time. It's, I mention it all mentioned. the time. Totally incurious. When I was saying segue, we're kind of on the same subject because not only Mike Lindell, not only Bannon and the other 40, 50 subpoenas, they took a phone from Boris Epstein. Boris Epstein is Trump's lawyer. I mean, yeah. to, to uh, paraphrase, what's his face? McCarthy. Have you no shame? Is there any limit on what they're going to do? Now, we all probably saw Tucker, you know, saying well, there's a war on the population. Bongino, the XG man himself, rants more and more strongly every single day against the FBI and that it needs to be disbanded. And my question, as I've asked before, is, is it too late? Because they are getting away with it. And no matter how much they escalate, um, taking phones from lawyers, arresting lawyers, et cetera, they are getting away with it. And well, we're going to find out on November 8th, right? I mean, we're going to find out whether it's too late or not. Well, even, even separate apart from November 8th, so much of what is being done is aimed directly at Donald Trump. When is that man going to stand up and he's the one that needs to say enough is enough? He's the one that needs to say, this is going to end and I'm going to be elected president. Now, maybe he's going to lose. Maybe he's not going to you know, win the primary or whatever. But if he's running, that's what he needs to do. He needs to stand up and say, this has gone way too far. This is not about me. This is about saving the American Republic and the American way of life and the American system of government. And you cannot do this to Steve Bannon and Mike Lindell and all these other people. And you can't violate attorney-client privilege documents. You can't raid people's houses. You just, you can't do, you can't weaponize the, the Justice Department and the, and the FBI the way you're doing. And I am going to put an end to it. So he I did mean, say he's going to pardon all the J6ers recently. He also, he called Ashley Babbitt's mom and woke up to that, which is okay. interesting. He I not said much about stridency. I want to see some stridency from him. I totally agree with you 100%. And I think, you know, the J6 are sitting in prison. It's all part and parcel. They are getting away with it. And I heard, I think, Biggs, you know, Congressman Biggs the other day yelling about it again. But they are getting away with it. People in solitary for over a year, Soviet style, and nobody cares. No. I mean, how about if Trump got up and said, when I'm president, these people are going to be the ones who are going to need to be afraid. This is going to end and all the people that are perpetrating this terror today are going to be the ones that are going to be on their heels when I'm president because yeah, but I'm it's, not going it's, to tolerate this. But it, I mean, that's kind of like the speech where, you know, and it was a great clip where they were talking about it was him and Hillary Clinton in the debate. And he had said, oh, yeah, well, you'd be in jail. He had all the information that he could have declassified long, long clipping ago. <laughs> You're preaching you preaching know the choir what? on me for that one. Yes, he he had four years to do something. But that's what I'm it. saying. Like, I love Trump. I'm a huge Trump supporter, 100%. But you know what? Spill the flipping beans already. If the stuff's disclassified, spill the flipping beans. And just well, you see how it. that worked out. And I got to tell you something. Bill Barr, 
who's up there with some of the other geniuses in this country. I wish he'd commit Harry Carey and shut his filthy trap. Um, every day when he comes out, I can't believe this happened. And I can't believe that happened. And then the next day he's flipping against Trump again. That man, I think, did unbelievable harm to this country. And even some of us, I believe, on the other side supported him. And we thought he was going to do something decent. And he, he totally undermined Trump. Well, yeah. No you matter what look, Trump I mean, did, he was undermined. Barr was given the nickname the Honey Badger by how many conservatives? They thought he was doing right. And then, boom, yeah, 180. Trump um, is trying to finesse his way through something that can't be finessed. Now, Ed, since yeah. you're calling Trump out, why yeah. don't we call Trump out that he should go to the jail in D.C. and stand there until something happens? I, he should do that and a lot more. He should I think Trump is. Out, um, huh? Well, obviously, I think they've got him scared. Right. I mean, that's the whole point of this whole effort is to try to uh, scare him into. But if he's um, scared, then he's not the right man for the job, Ed. No, of course. I mean, you know, he might not be the right man for the job. He may be the only person we have, but he may not be the right man for the job. Um, Eugene Debs ran for president three times from prison. Eugene Debs was. Uh, yeah, a strong person. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm not saying I, you know Trump should should try and be in prison, but that shouldn't stop him. If they put him in prison, he can still run. We know what his message is, and if he that's the whole point. Now is the time to speak. If they're yeah, gonna... I mean, I think I think the deep state has a, a problem in the sense that um, I think if they go too hard, they're going to empower him. But if they go too soft, he's just going to run. A, run over biden so i think they're trying to try and thread that needle but they're incompetent so they will obviously do something um horribly wrong but trump is trying to thread the same kind of needle and i think that that's yeah. a mistake right no i agree i also think with trump it's, it's all about him and that's part of the reason why he's not doing anything because it wouldn't be about him the um uh, the the Subpoena, part of the subpoena for Mike Lindell's phone has been released. I'm looking at it right here. And they're talking about uh, identity, identity theft. theft, intentional damage to a protected computer and conspiracy to commit identity theft or cause. And I think what it was is all records and information relating to the BIOS on any Dominion computerized voting system, including any modification to or attempt to modify a BIOS setting. So, I mean, uh, Obviously, there is a lot of information in the underground that these Dominion voting machines are not were not secure during the election, and um, I don't want to get kicked off of Facebook. But uh, the um, there is a lot of evidence that nobody wants to look at that about the Dominion voting machines, and I think Lindell was trying to figure out what was going on. And, what is the identity uh, theft part? It's the um, rationalization. I'm sorry? I, I have no idea. It's the know? rationalization for the one. Because I thought identity theft was what the uh, undocumented <laughs> citizens do, and we never go after them for that. Yeah, it's definitely... Um, and what, did they, what are they going after Boris Epstein for? I mean... I don't know that. It seems to be, you know, again, show me the man, I'll show you the crime. It seems to be the idea that we all violate 10 federal laws every five minutes, just don't know it. And they're just pulling everything out of the book to get everybody. And this is 
really scary because I think people have the message. We're not going to run for office. This is not worth it. And we already know lawyers won't represent anybody close to anybody because they're all yeah. scared and they have reason to be scared because I forget, you know, Bongino, or they all say it, the process is a punishment. Even if you get out of this mess, it's going to cost you a hundred grand. Yes. Exactly. And I don't know what, the, is it too late? Um, was, you know, uh, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I mean, that was the question I asked our fearless leader a couple of weeks ago. What happens, you know, you, you know, how do you deal with due, due process issues when the process is the punishment? And th that's what the left is doing right now. They're, right, and the subpoena is the fulfillment of due process. Now, who issues these subpoenas? This was DOJ. This is a judge. Who, who issues these? Well, no, the judge approves judge. them. No, the judge approves them. The, the law enforcement agency has to uh, request a judge to sign the, the warrant. Right. Now, we know in the case of Mar-a-Lago, people are yelling these were general warrants and they're unconstitutional on their face. I mean, is that yep. true? Does anybody care? Like, what is that? Well, the Fourth Amendment requires that you have to spe specify the, the specific place to be searched, the specific things to be searched, and that general warrants shall not be shall not issue. And I assume and that has to be a crime asserted. Well, that too, yes. That's the probable cause element. And the Mar-a-Lago warrant just asked for all documents for all years that Trump was in the White House. It didn't narrow any scope. It was a, it was a general warrant. It asked for everything. And, and Paul, you, I'm sorry, go ahead. I was just going to ask, does it say on there what judge issued that? Uh, this legal? was the addendum that said what is to be searched that was published on Gateway okay. Pundit. It was not the full warrant, including Got it. Okay. the judge, the judge's name. I don't know where Mike Lindell <coughs> is located. Do you know where he's, he's in Minnesota? Is it Minnesota? Oh, it was Sorry. Minneapolis. Yeah, it is Minnesota. Sorry. So was he home when they took his phone or he was in transit? Oh, he was at Hardee's. Hardee's. Drive through. No, but in Minneapolis. <laughs> yeah, he was yes. at home. Because I think he had been traveling or something. Yeah. But I mean, because he said they were following him from place to place, I think, that it had to do with airports, wasn't it? Yeah, I do recommend that everybody um, take Face ID off their phone and just use a, a complicated password um these phones are pretty secure to be honest they are the iphone is pretty secure um it i'm not saying the fbi can't break into it but um it's not easy so uh but they don't have to break it as hard as everybody they can hold you until you give them the passport the password they can threaten to indict you on enough charges to keep you in jail for 100 million years until you give them the password they can threaten relatives i mean they don't they don't need to hack into it anymore. They have other ways. Yes, and if you cannot afford a lawyer, you're screwed. You're screwed. Ed, are you <laughs> saying that if you have face if face ID on your phone, and they take your phone from you, they can they what, show it put it in front of your face? Yeah, I mean, generally speaking, if you have an iPhone, if you click the power button five times in a row, it'll turn off face ID. So if you know if cops ever going to stop you on the side of the road or, you know, for speeding or whatever, just click the button five times. That just makes their life. By the way, there's harder. no reason they can't take your thumb and get your print to open up your Android. I don't know if iPhone has a fingerprint thing as well, but they can just take your thumb. Uh, yes. If you have that, um, 
if you have that turned on, they can do that. And what can, they be can take your print? What can be more general warrant than your smartphone, which literally has everything in your entire life? They can't, in principle, make you tell your password. But I mean, you're right in that they can coerce you. And look what New York State just did. Now, you know, we didn't talk about it that much, I don't think, last week. But their new gun law, three years of social media posts. Yeah, I think that'll be thrown out. But yes. But it won't matter because the other thing was turned over and it didn't matter. They'll just repeat it and do it again. And who's going to stop them? I mean. Right. No, it's we're in lawless state now. Well, when you say who's going to stop them, if they keep doing things like that, that's where Congress does get to legislate civil rights violations. And if the state is consistently violating civil rights, it might make it might justify congressional action to. One of my mentors, by the name of Ed Maslish, tends to say that not a lot of Republicans would do that. I think guns and abortion are the two exceptions, although even with abortion, I think that uh, Lindsey Graham's proposal went flat, fell flat. You think he did that to sabotage the Republican Party? Because that was dumb. I'm not sure why he did it. He just is a dumb man. I don't think he's that smart. The the gun thing, I, I read an article this morning, you know, the um, Visa and MasterCard have uh, have decided to cave into a Democrat request to categorize purchases um uh, for guns differently so than for what, what they call a general merchandise. And so gun stores are now installing um, ATMs and people uh, are, uh, you know, encouraged to use cash for all purposes, which gets back to Ed's perennial point that they're going to do away with cash uh, and make us do everything through EBT or, or some sort of digital uh, why, currency. Why did so Visa flip, Ed? Did, which way uh, did they flip? Well, because they were not going to take part of it. Visa was the one that said, no, we're not doing this. Yeah, MasterCard has been woke since day one, but Visa uh, has been holding out. Um, If you want my personal opinion, which is based on no actual facts, I think it's uh, ESG. I think that um, the idea of doing this, of not doing this would have uh, affected their ESG score and thus made them less attractive to Vanguard and BlackRock and some of the other uh, funds. I I hate to be, I I wish I had my tinfoil hat now, but I hate to be a conspiracy theorist, but it's all connected, you know? Um, (laughs) It is all connected. And and if they know you're buying a gun with a credit card, they know you're taking money out of an ATM within a hundred yards of a gun store. uh, Yeah, maybe, so don't do that. I'm just saying. (laughs) See, but wasn't isn't that set up for just a smaller? Take a lot of buy a safe, take a lot of cash out of your account and save it anyway. Is that not for the smaller mom and pop shops? Yeah, I still think it's all connected. No, I (laughs) totally think it's all connected. The banks, the the. And by the way, are they doing this for guns, or they're doing this ammo as well? Any gun-related purchase. So that's that's a very very big deal. Maybe they'll give us like bonus points on that if we make our purchase. Maybe that's why they're doing it. I I mean, to the extent that we could ever elect someone who would be both on our side and do something, which again, is very unlikely, um, they have to destroy these companies' ability to screw with their customers for for political reasons. So, so Um, And and, and the way to do that is to give private, uh, is not to pass a law against it and give it to some regulatory body. It's to create a private cause of action 
by, for individuals in the courts to go after these companies. And, and uh, because the courts, as bad as they are, aren't 100% bad across the country. You know what I mean? So if I can sue in Virginia court against some in Chase Manhattan, for instance, uh, but if I sue in Virginia court, I'd have a lot better or Texas court or Louisiana or something like that against these big companies, um, even though they're based in for? Delaware. They don't owe you anything. What are you suing for? Oh, no, uh, uh, that's what I'm saying. If the Congress to fix this, the Congress should give individuals a private right of action against these companies for you know, collecting, misusing customer data, something like that. And uh, and this would the, the gun purchases would be an example. So I think Bongino's parallel economy in a normal world, someone would start a third major credit card or a fourth major credit card tomorrow. Um, but I assume it's regulatorily almost impossible to do. I, well, I, I don't think that, is, people start credit cards all the time. That's not the issue. The issue is getting hooked up into the system, right? Which is mostly controlled by Visa and MasterCard. Right, I'm so, just saying. Also, it's credit cards are issued by banks, and nor, banks are pretty heavily regulated. And you can't just start a bank in a. That's day. what I mean, right? We can't if we wanted to make a Liberty Block credit card for gun purchases. I assume we'd have to jump through a hundred million hoops. Well, we'd have to start a bank. But you can't start a bank without God knows what. Yeah. Yeah. And and the thing is, it's it's the clearinghouse, right? I mean, that, that, that's the thing. If I if if you charge, if I charge money on my credit card to, you know, buy something from a merchant, the merchant want doesn't want credit. It want, he wants cash. So how does the cash get to him? Well, it goes through a clearinghouse, and that's controlled primarily by Visa and Mastercard, so that he gets paid like the next day, and I don't have to pay for, you know, twenty five to forty five days. So it's that clearinghouse thing that that is the you know duopoly between Visa and Mastercard. And I suppose Discover's in there somewhere, uh, American Express. Um, so it's that level of, uh, in, in fact, I don't know whether American Express has joined this. Does anybody we know whether Discover? Heard it have, so. Yeah, yeah. But. No, the banks are, the banks are the government, the government are the banks, so. And is this better than Obama's choke point where they didn't want you to be able to charge guns at all? Is it better than? Uh, no, it's, it's just- less than. The, the goal, of course, is to have a national gun registry, right? Because if they know everyone who has guns and what kind of guns they have, then they can come take them one at a time. And no more boating um, accidents, yes. Yeah, right. So, I, I mean, that's would the say goal. They pretty much have a national registry because of we've learned when a gun shop goes out of business, the federal government inherits all of their paperwork. <laughs> and, they, and they're digitizing them against the law. Too. They're digitizing against the law. The interesting thing is, like when um, in 1933, uh, President Roosevelt um, demanded that everybody hand in their gold coins um, because of the national emergency. And you know, the the really interesting thing is, like people did. Most people did. Most people turned in their gold coins and got paper currency for them. They wanted to be patriotic Americans. They believed in President Roosevelt. Um, that ain't happened now. I mean, nobody trusts the government. Nobody, even the even the people on the left, um, don't trust the government. So it it's the idea that they're going to say, you know, for the good of the country, please turn in your guns. That ain't going to happen. 
Uh, so it'll be interesting to see what uh, this uh, later. I'll tell you the story. But. Okay. So speaking, speaking of the guns. So what is her name? Congresswoman Karen Bass. They're uh, running for mayor of LA. Have we heard any updates on how somebody got into her safe, knew the guns were there in this locked safe? Has there been any updates to that? No, I don't know that. And okay. she's anti-gun, if I'm not mistaken. She's very anti-gun, yes. Yes, and her house was broken into, and the only thing they stole were the guns. Mm-hmm. Very curious. That were, that were locked. That were locked up in a safe. So, so what is, uh, what is the maybe Jesse Smollett thing? stole them. Ooh, that's a good theory. That's very good, Ed. That could be a good I, lifetime on gun, movie. On, on the gun issue, I've spent the last two weeks uh, going around various places around here and in Los Angeles helping to work on a, a, a gun documentary um, that Tim Pool is executive producing and Lauren Southern is directing. And I got to tell you, um, we could not find any Ganty gun people to talk to us at all. I mean, we wanted to, we tried, um, but I, uh, you know, I can't say too much about it, but we had some adventures, uh, you know, going into some of the worst parts of town, both uh, in DC and in Baltimore and then in Los Angeles. And, uh, you know, th these socialist communist Democrat people have created real hell on earth for a lot of people. Um, just, uh, just awful, awful places filled with violence, um, almost designed for violence. You know, I mean, if you were going to design a place where violence is the norm. You couldn't do violence and suffering and drug addiction and pooping on the streets and everything. You, you couldn't do better than this. Um, and of course they're doing it you know, on purpose. Obviously they're doing it on purpose. Um, it just, it is confusing sometimes as to why, why they're doing it. I, I don't quite understand, but um, I don't know, last Friday, we were talking they to- They can create instability, Ed. Yeah, uh, but one preview, we're last Friday, we were talking to Kurt Schlichter, the columnist and former army officer about, you know, will, if, if a decree comes down to turn in your guns, will Americans do it? And he said, you know, absolutely not. No, absolutely not. He was much more, uh, hopefully that'll get into the documentary, but he, he was much more uh, vulnerable than then absolutely not. He was like screaming at the camera. Um, See, I totally disagree, and, as you know. What's yeah, I was that? Say, you know, two years ago, if you'd have said to me, well, you know, if you told Americans they have to put a, a, a mask on their face and be locked in their houses and they can't go to their churches yeah. and their, their synagogues, I would have laughed at you. I would have said, no way. Americans will never comply with that. But we did. I just don't see anybody shooting a SWAT team to protect their guns. I, I, why wouldn't everybody comply? Well, Koresh did. And look what happened to him, right? I'm that saying so. If they go block by block and they bang on your door and say, give me your guns, who's going to start shooting at a cop? And then all of us conservatives will start yelling, you can't shoot at a cop. Well, I am not of the back the blue brand, as you know. So. But nobody's going to shoot at a SWAT team. No, but I, th I think, <laughs> honestly... Stephen, I think honestly, if news broke that they were coming into your homes, you would have a bunch of rednecks 
out in the streets, barricading themselves, saying, you ain't coming this way. And, they'd and be crap killed. would hit the fan. And, they'd huh? be killed. and then what? They'd be killed. And then what? Then the next guy would get down in his bunker and go pull everything up. I don't know, but I, I don't, I, just, I don't I see just that. I just don't happening. see it. I, I don't see how you would resist. The, the issue is that there's 100 million gun owners, so it's 100 million houses they have to knock on. It takes some time. And if, if any two houses resist, the whole thing I don't think goes so. I don't see it that way. They just bring a bear cat and they destroy the house. Well, I don't, to, don't for, see it. On the mask thing, it, uh, as soon as the judge ruled that the federal mask mandate on airplanes was uh, unconstitutional, um, well, uh, it violated the Administrative Procedures Act, whatever he ruled. Um, the Los Angeles City Council imposed a mass mandate on um, all transportation in Los Angeles, including LAX. Now, I was at LAX last week, uh, twice, incoming and outgoing, and uh, I'd say a third of the people were wearing masks. It is Los Angeles, after all. Um, but there was no enforcement. Nobody cared. No one was enforcing this Los Angeles mask mandate. Not the city cops, not the airport cops, not the TSA not the airlines, no one, no one cared. Well, I think and part of it is people know that the second amendment is part of their constitutional right. With the masks, that was the word mandate over and yeah. over and over. And people are like, oh no, is it law? Do I have to follow it? What do I have to do? And you know, they were put into a panic mode. With guns, it's not quite the same. I mean, I get the correlation, but it's, it's not panic mode. I'm going to die if I, I catch this. You know what I'm saying? I, I think there's a big difference between the two. I do think that the, um, I do think that the mask mandate, the lockdowns and, and everything have um, the vaccine mandates and whatnot, uh, have red pilled a lot of Americans. Uh, I, again, I, I wish that it was more um, because I think it's so obvious about what you know, obviously, I, I, I had disagreed with Ed um, early in the in the whole uh, pandemic, and I thought the 15 days to slow the spread was uh, the right thing to do. And Ed was like, no, this is an edge of the wedge. They're coming for us. And of course, I was wrong and he was right. But I mean, I was wrong. So, I mean, that's the first step in understanding um you know what's going on and if i can admit i was wrong uh then i think there's a lot of other people who were on the side of masks okay, and so, shutdowns so and whatnot and, and i don't know i don't know if alu's going to show up and talk about new hampshire but my understanding is sununu was elected in the primary yesterday 80 percent of the vote 80 percent now supposedly down from 90. 80 percent of the vote after he locked down the entire state and ruled by executive fiat for 16 months and yeah. major outcry, and he got 80% of the vote. So it's really hard for me to believe that Americans care. Well, I hear you. And that's really scary. Sorry, I was muted. Or you just got a lot of dum-dums up there in New Hampshire. You don't. You have a lot of activists, really strong activists yeah. in New Hampshire. Now, they do have an open primary. But the point is, in a sane world, he should have lost that primary. And he definitely should not have won 80%. Every single Republican should have gone against him because of what he did. Everybody yelled and screamed, but push comes to shove. We vote for the name. We vote for the incumbent. Well, I, I think the voter, um, you know, the, the vast majority of voters are disconnected in that sense. Uh, even the vast majority of Republican voters. Um, 
But Even when they were locked down for for 16 months or a year, two years, that's the point. I'm saying nothing wakes up the American voter. Yeah. All right. I'm out of rants. Somebody else have a ranting subject? Nope. Not today. Well, I've been immersed in the whole gun thing um, for the last couple of, of weeks, last month or two. And, uh, you know, there are some interesting things going on. The ATF is, is trying to pass a regulation um, uh, basically banning uh, self-manufacture of your own firearms. And uh, this particular regulation, like most, doesn't make any sense because it basically means that every part that goes onto a gun has to have a serial number. It's, it's very weird. And uh, we met with the lawyer who is uh, suing them. And, uh, you know, he, he, he was an interesting guy. Uh, his name's Stephen Stamboulier. And I'm like, what's your job? And he said, well, my job is primarily to sue the government for violating our rights. And I'm like, wow, you have the best job in the world. <laughs> he says, yeah, I do. I sue the government. That's my job. Um, so he, he is a great guy. And, uh, and, you know, I think we have some, some, some good people on our side. Um, but I think we have the narcissism of small differences where we, we, we basically, you know, we disagree over little teeny things and, and that causes all sort of infighting in the, you know, in the liberty movement. And I wish we could get around that, but that's kind of our problem. Well, again, we may have some good people on our side, but if they can take phones from Boris Epstein and Steve Bannon, then what's the difference? Yeah, luckily Steve Bannon is rich. Hopefully he will be able to fight this. Ed, whatever. Do we, talk about, do we want to talk about Queen Elizabeth II? Sure. Is anybody really sad? Did it like impact anybody? I remember my grandmother when uh, Princess Diana died. My grandma was distraught. And I couldn't imagine how or why. And when the Queen passed away, I really didn't have any feelings about it except for, well, she's with the Lord now. And that was it. And I just, I'm ready to see what Charles and Harry do actually. They're more my focus. Will be Charles and William, right? No, 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 no. I'm talking about the two liberals, Harry and uh, yeah. No, I'd like to, I, I know he doesn't have his power that he had, but I'd like to see his influence that he's going to have on his father. I think none, no. Not from a royalty standpoint, but they Did they, they get have, along at all? I think so. They have a lot of the same ideologies. Interesting. I think the British monarchy is sort of this curiosity. I mean, as an American, I just, I don't relate to, you know, worshiping a king in any way or a queen in any way. But at the same time, I also look at it as the British monarchy is just a sign of culture and manners and uh etiquette and and a tie a tie back to you know in, in american culture would be like a tie back to the 1950s and i and i view the 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 monarchy and the the ties back to the british empire as the same thing a uh a tie back to a better time when the culture was better and stronger and bred better people and i think that the the attacks on her and the people who 
who want to minimize her are, are basically the same people that want to attack our own history and our own monuments and our own statues. Um, you know, I, I, I don't, I don't worship the, you know, the, the bowing to authority part of monarchy, but there is no real authority of the monarchy in, in Britain. It's a symbolic role. And, and the symbolism to me is, you know, like I said, it's, it's, you know, a deeply cultured, you know, a, you know, a tasteful, but respectful display of wealth. You know, they're you know, always Bill Little, Bill Little did a show on this. And I think he mentioned the word that you may be searching for. He spoke about dignity and that the yeah. represented dignity. And he just spoke about it really well. And I think that's kind of what you're driving at. Yes. Yeah, I, um, uh, Jordan Peterson had an interesting thing to say. He, 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 he uh, Canadian, obviously, and so is used to the Queen as his head of state. Um, he said it's, it's awfully useful to have the politicians have to behave um, deferentially to someone else because you get you get into the like the American president and and there's no uh, you get megalomania even the, even if you didn't start out as a megalomaniac which you know obviously Biden is and Obama was and Bush was and and to a certain extent Trump was too um, uh, to be to have to go and bow before someone who represents the the country um, is a useful act of humility for the politicians. And so that was Peterson's view. I hadn't thought about that before. Um, Churchill favored constitutional monarchy because uh, he thought it was a way to um, keep the country uh, together um, in a sort of a, a above the fray political way. I know that, um, that uh, Hans Hermann Hoppe, the libertarian theorist, uh, believed in a sort of limited monarchy because he thought that monarchs have a much longer time frame to, um, uh, to look forward to. And they want, they want to leave the country uh, better than they found it for their, um, for their children. And then that gets into the sort of criticism of Queen Elizabeth from the right and that she obviously didn't. That is, the queen has an enormous amount of power under the constitution of Britain. Uh, people don't realize this, but she has an enormous amount of power um, and she chooses not to use it. And um, by, by custom to a certain extent, but only to a certain extent, she could have used it to stop some of the destruction of the United Kingdom that has gone on. She could have. Maybe she could have only used it once. Maybe they would uh, overthrow the monarchy. And that was kind of, you know, the, the interesting thing about the Netflix series, The Queen, is um, it, it sort of made it clean, plain that her job was to protect the institution of the monarchy. And, uh, you know, that's why they call it the crown because her, her, her idea was to protect the crown. And she did that excellently. Um, unfortunately, the real task was to protect the United Kingdom. And in that, um, she either didn't want to or didn't know enough or whatever. I mean, she could have stopped some of the abuses um, that the uh, parliament uh, did. She could have stopped 
the uh, you know the refugee uh, stuff, um, the the absurd uh, allowing uh, of London to turn into a non-English city. She could have stopped the uh, a lot of the EU nonsense. Um, she could have. She could have made a stand, and she never did. And so she left the monarchy uh, weakened. And uh, from a standpoint of, you know, of public opinion, although people liked her, I mean, you know, the rest of the rest of the family is a disaster. And she left Britain far worse off uh, now than when she took power in 1953. Now, I know they were still reeling from the Second World War of 1953, but um, or 1952, I guess. Uh, but um, but yeah, she could have done better. Does she not I, deserve kudos for keeping Charles out of that throne for so long? <laughs> yeah, well, anybody <laughs> deserves kudos for keeping Charles out of the throne. But I mean, who who taught him to be such an idiot? It's, you know, an environmentalist wacko. And, uh, and uh, you know. And defender of and, the faiths. Yeah, defender of the faiths. Uh, you know, more, more weft than weft, as they say. Um, so... Yeah, he's he's a, a horrible human being. William seems to be a, a lot better human being. Uh, I just hope, um, I I honestly hope that Charles um, keeps up on his boosters for COVID. That's my that's my um, my honest hope because I, I care so much. I just hope I hope he gets a booster every few months. Well, aren't we proud that Dr. Jill and her husband are going to be able to go to the funeral and make fools of themselves? Maybe he'll prove uh, yeah. himself again or something. Yeah, well, Biden is a narcissist. I mean, people talk about Trump being a narcissist. Of course, that's true. Um, but Biden is even more a narcissist. He'll make it all about himself. Um, if he knows so, it's there. Yeah. So, so it'll be this uh, business. He can't bring his, his entourage. He can bring. Was that just a diplomatic faux pas? Like, what was that? I, it's a, you know, there's limited seating. Everybody in the whole world wants to come. Biden's got to agree to the rule, right? He's got to take a bus because he can't use. I, I, I mean, that just seemed awful which uh, lead to me. Who are we kidding? I, I, I could not care less if Biden uh, makes a fool of himself. Um, again, I personally have, I personally have some respect for the queen. I do. I do. And, and, I, the dignity issue of the, that uh, Bill Winnell talked about um, and the fact that she attempted to ride herd on her crazy family. Um, but um, she, she failed and I'm, I'm very sad that she failed to you know, exercise the power that she has to try and keep Britain a, Britain a better place. So how long will it take for Charles to act a fool? Well, he already did done. the other. He already did the other day when there was like the inkwell was like in the wrong place, and instead of oh, like moving it himself like a human being, he was like, you know, and yelling at someone I to come. Move it. But yeah, yeah, he's, <laughs> he's such an ass. He's such a horrible, horrible human being. Um. And that, of course, is the flaw of monarchy, right? I mean, the, the, the good news of monarchy is, you know, you can have, you can have someone who projects stability and, 
and competence and dignity, but then you can have Charles. Yeah, they just lost that, huh? Right. But then we have Biden. So, I mean, come on. We elected, we elected weekended Bidens. I mean, he's not even, he's not even half alive most of the time. Is it a plus that they're holding the line against Harry and Meghan? Meghan is, is truly a poisonous individual. And um, to be honest, I would have held the line uh, with Harry. I would have told them both to stay in the United States. But I guess, um, you know, it's Charles's son and he didn't want to do that. I, you know, there, Megan is, is, should they have known how bad she was when he married her? We all knew how bad she was when he married her. I mean, this is not a secret. She's a horrible, horrible, narcissistic, I mean, disaster. Monarchy is from Hollywood above stopping marriages. I mean, they tried, you know, with Charles Diane and stuff. Could they not have put a stop to this? This is, it's so humiliating. The whole scene over there, he can wear this suit, he can't wear that, he can't wear a uniform, he can't wear. I think the monarchy is on its last legs. If if Charles lasts twenty years, which he very well could, uh, his father and mother both, you know, lived long lives. Um, then I think the monarchy is doomed. I think William is a, it, it seems to be a much saner person. Like for some reason, or he did not receive the crazy gene, which has infected, uh, you know, Andrew. This ha- well, this whole house since George yeah. the first. I mean, you know, George III was actively crazy, but I mean, it's not like George I and George II and all the rest of them were any better. Um, so, I mean, Queen Victoria's husband died, you know, after 20 years and she was in mourning for another 40. I mean, come on. Yeah, I'm sure he's a nice guy, but get over it. You know, she is nuts. And then, you know, Edward VII was a playboy and you know slept with half of the women of london and and you know the various georges i i i don't know it's just it, the whole family is just completely dysfunctional um they're not even english too they're german so but charles was able to win the camilla thing after all those years he did pull it off mm-hmm. and and the only thing camilla has going for her is she's not as poisonous as meg Oh, boy. <laughs> I mean, she's a truly horrible person, too. I mean, and Charles is a horrible person, and Andrew's a horrible person, and, you know, they're all horrible people. Uh, the Queen seemed like not horrible, but again, she didn't do her job, her primary job, which is to protect the United Kingdom. So, I mean, I feel bad for anybody who dies. I much prefer her as the Queen of England than King Charles III. And in that sense, I was sad, but talk about Sweden now. What's going on in Sweden? Besides Casper Rood lost, what else? Well, they just had a a big big election election, and it looks like it's still quite undecided. um, First of all, the the Swedish Democrat party, which is a a far right, you know, nationalist Trumpian, uh, you know, fascist, uh, party uh, did the best of anyone on the right. And it looks like the right-leaning parties are going to have a, a very, very slim majority. Now that doesn't mean, I don't exactly know how they form governments in Sweden, whether you know whether the, the left-wing parties will join with some center-right party to form a, a government that locks out the Swedish Democrats. But 
it's a it's a huge win for the Swedish nationalist, you know, anti mass migration, anti migration party, and uh, so that's a. Uh, Good news. Sweden's pretty much like as far left as you could get by history, right? Well, by yeah. history, I mean. Uh, yes and no. They, they they didn't join the Second World War, although they kind of were on the German side. Um, but after the Second World War, they, they were a very, very free economy up until the 70s and 80s when they turned completely it's left. Socially, socially. Crazy welfare state. They? Crazy welfare state. But then in the 90s, they like turned their back on that, especially when it came to like business regulation. I mean, there are a lot of things that are gonna destroy the United States, but one thing that keeps the United States um, from being as strong as it is it, it, it could be is all of these business regulations. So yeah, they have high taxes and they have large welfare programs, but it's much easier in Sweden to run a business, to, join, to build a business, to run it um, and, that was a change back again. So yeah, they, they do have a lot of, of problems, but in a lot of ways they're, they have more economic freedom than we do in the United States. Um, and what's interfering with, you know, the, the primary mechanism of destruction of any country is mass migration. And, and that is what the, um, the globalists have, have wanted for Europe and for the United States. Okay. And so it's a good thing that the Nationalist Party in Sweden appears to have done as well as it did. It does. Okay. Any other topics? Um, the only other thing I just wanted to bring up was Pompeo um, bringing up that he is looking forward to the 2024 presidential run or that he's prepping for it, I think was the exact words. Um, so I think that's kind of exciting. Um, I do you really like, like Pompeo? Pompeo? I do like Pompeo, but I really I would like to see him on a ticket with Trump personally. I think that okay, would be. So I I have sort of a negative overall impression of Pompeo, but I mean, please educate me. What what's good about him? I just I like his demeanor more than anything. I think he's brilliant. Everything he did with the um, Abraham Accords, I think he he's just intelligent. He's a very smart man. His demeanor. Um, his beliefs, his Christian beliefs, his values. I, I just think he's the one that's going to balance things out. I really do. More than DeSantis? I want DeSantis to stay where he's at. He's a front runner and he setting... He turns out, doesn't he? For, as governor, so... Yeah, I don't, I don't want DeSantis to go anywhere yet. I think Pompeo would just... I think he'd be great. He brings knowledge from the CIA. Huh? I was going to say, I, I just hope that there's a fight for the Republican nomination and that they don't just clear the field for Trump. Even if Trump wins, I hope he wins. I hope he has to beat people and, and come up and sharpen him, sharpen himself and sharpen his arguments. Right. Uh, you know, I, I really hope that they don't just clear the field for him and and, you know, let him just go untested, basically, because he he's got he's made a lot of mistakes and he needs a lot of refinements and. The Republican Party really needs somebody or some people or more than one person to challenge Trump on what he did wrong and get Trump to say what he'll do better this time. Yeah. Well, my understanding from Florida people is there's pressure on DeSantis to run and to not wait another election cycle when he will no longer be governor. 
Yeah, you have to have a, uh, um, the way, you know, politics works, I think we all know is all based on money. When you control the party apparatus in Florida, it gives you a mechanism to raise funds and to put the squeeze on people to donate. If, for instance, he wins this fall, he will, um, and then it comes up to 2026 and he goes out and he's the greatest governor of Florida ever and everybody loves him um, and, you know, two years later, but he, he doesn't have, he doesn't have the way to squeeze people for money. And I think that he would, he, he has to run. If he's going to run for president, he has to run now. He has to do it now. And of course I like him and I almost would prefer him over Trump. Um, but he has to run. He, I think if he doesn't run, he risks becoming Mario Cuomo of this generation. Exactly. Exactly. That's exactly right. And they don't have, uh, you know, um, term limits in, in uh, New York. <laughs> so you don't think Charlie Crist is going to give him too much of a fight? I, I tend to think, I mean, he came out in favor of a vaccine passport the other day. What is he talking about? <laughs> what? I, Charlie just, Chris, like every time he opens his mouth i think that he's intentionally trying to be a clown to see how stupid he sounds it wasn't he a, a former republican he was he was a republican governor of florida and now he switched parties so you can see how uh principled the guy is maybe he wants to marry mika <laughs> maybe on the rebound this is what happens when I talk about the monarchy. My head goes to all kinds of crazy places. Okay, folks, ready to wrap up? Sure. So. We will be back next week at regular time, hopefully with a full complement. And we look forward to getting feedback at the Conservatarian Exchange at libertyblock.com. Have a wonderful afternoon and evening.